welcome to Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. We are brought to you by the North Jersey Vipers Softball Club, the longest-running softball club in North Jersey. They have a proven track record for getting players to the next level. Get in touch with Bob Germano, the owner and manager of this club. Email him, contact him at NorthJerseyVipers.com. So, St. John's is not dead yet after all. In fact, they are very much alive and they are in position to be in position. Who would have thought that following the loss to Seton Hall? They have now won three straight games since Rick Patino's now infamous public execution of his players. Yeah, he can laugh about that now, but there was no laughing that week. So, we will talk about St. John's. We will talk about Seton Hall, who the train is still on the tracks, even though they had another no-show on the road in the Big East. We will get to the Seton Hall Pirates, and we will get to the Seton Hall Pirates' next opponent's head coach. That's right, Dan Hurley, head coach of the UConn men's basketball team will join me on the tri-state basketball podcast in just a few minutes i want to get to st john's seton hall and then we'll bring on my old friend dan hurley in a few minutes st john's that's where we begin this podcast what a win over butler two teams two ships passing in the night two teams heading in opposite directions butler stick a fork in them they are done. But this isn't a podcast about Butler. It's a podcast about the Tri-State and St. John's. How has this team turned it around? How has this team responded to Rick Patino's tongue lashing? Nobody saw this coming. This was a team that was left for dead. They made national headlines for all the wrong reasons. The players were hurt. The coaches were hurt, but somehow, whatever Patino said in that locker room, whatever Patino said to get these guys back off the mat, I mean, you couldn't have any tougher love than Rick Patino gave them. Whatever happened, it's worked. Their last two performances against Creighton and now Butler have been their best, most complete games of the season. All right. How many times did we see St. John's play so well in the first 20 minutes and look like absolute shit in the last 20? That's not happening anymore. They're actually playing better in the second half. All right. They built a 12 point first half lead. They looked very good. It was a combination of everybody getting minutes early on. I mean, at one point in the first half, they had 10 players, 10, who had scored at least two points. Brady Dunlap had scored. Heck, Zuby Ejiofor hit a three. Trissa Treor had, had, a, had scored. And where has this been from Glenn Taylor Jr.? He sparked the team. R.J. Luis. It was an amazing first half that ended on a down note. A 12-point lead had been whittled to six, but still, St. John's, you felt like they were in control of this game up six at the half. 
What happens in the second half? They turned it on. They put the pedal to the metal. They put their foot on Butler's throats and they did not let this team have any life. They kept him at an arm's distance the entire second half. I mean, I haven't heard Hinkle Fieldhouse this quiet in such a long time. Maybe all season. I tweeted it out. I said, when was the last time you heard Hinkle Fieldhouse this quiet? And my buddy Eamon McEnany from SNY tweets back at me and he goes, maybe when Jimmy Chitwood, they showed his scene in Hoosiers in slow motion. Maybe that was the last time we heard Hinkle this quiet. Loved it. This team is looking like a team. It wasn't just Danis Jenkins and Jordan Dingle who we've seen in the past two wins. Jenkins was not great, okay? He was still distributing the ball. He still ended up with nine assists, but only at eight points. This game was about the complete team. R.J. Luis with 15. Glenn Taylor Jr., 17 points, five of seven from three. Where has this been all season? This is a guy who came in from the transfer portal. We didn't know much about him other than he was coming from Oregon State and had a nice year there. It looked like the Big East was a step up in competition and he wasn't able to play at this level. He's averaging four points a, a game this year. But yet his last two games, he comes up with 30 minutes of action in both games. Scores 17 points in this one, coming off a 10-rebound and 6-assist performance against Creighton. This is becoming a team. Now, what they did in the second half, like I said, was they got a complete team effort. They put this team away. They never let them back in the game. It was all about second-chance points. It was all about rebounding. The bench outscored Butler's bench 31 to 12. They were plus seven in rebounds, 23 points off turnovers. You name it, they were doing it. All right. Contributions from everyone, whether it was nine assists from Jenkins, 13 rebounds from Soriano, five threes from Glenn Taylor, timely scoring in the second half from RJ Luis. It was everybody. Somehow, some way, Rick Patino pushed the buttons. Somehow, some way, and he can joke about it now, saying, hey, when you beat a team by that much on the road and you dominate them by 23 points, that's lateral quickness, baby, right? He can joke about that all he wants, but they weren't joking about it 10 days ago. But Suddenly, this team is headed for being on the bubble. They're in the discussion. If they can finish off at DePaul and home to Georgetown, they will be favored in both. They should win both convincingly. This team will have ended the season on a five-game win streak. This team will be 11-9 in the Big East Conference. And if they can get some help, like Villanova beating Providence and things shake their way, 
they can finish fifth in this conference. And who would have thought that 10 days ago? And if they finish fifth, I think they're very much in the NCAA tournament. I'm not a bracketologist, but I'm telling you, 11 and nine, where they had come from to finish the season on a high like that, you have to be feeling pretty good, Johnny's fans. And there is no one who will want to play this team in the Big East tournament if you're the four seed. Whether that's Providence, whether that's Seton Hall, that remains to be seen. But somehow, some way, this team has gotten it together. They have taken their public humiliation. They have come back to face the public and they have rallied under no uncertain terms, have rallied together to be exactly what we thought St. John's could be. Two quality quad one road wins, possibly ending the year with a five game win streak. All right, St. John's is looking good. St. John's is looking really good. And meanwhile, last night, Seton Hall took another game on the chin on the road. What has happened to this team on the road in the Big East? We know they've won five games. To go five and five in the Big East on the road, that is huge, okay? That puts you in the upper echelon of teams. That puts you in the upper half because you're going to win your home games more than likely. So you finish five and five on the road in the Big East, major props. But in the four losses in the Big East on the road, they have now been outscored by 20, 18, 26, and 21 points. Complete no-shows in the second half against Xavier and against Marquette. They collapsed in the second half of those games. And then complete no-shows against Villanova and now Marquette. Last time we saw this, Shaheen Holloway said, after the loss to Villanova, he said, you're not going to see that team again. I don't know what team that was. Well, we hadn't seen them until last night. They never got off the tarmac. This team was non-competitive again. And there were circumstances that I want to get into, okay? They weren't hitting their shots early. Neither was Creighton. It was 12 to 8 at the second media timeout. And I believe right around that time is when Kaderi Richmond picked up his second foul. And it was a complete bullshit foul. There was a loose ball. Ashworth was going for it along the, the sideline. And... I don't even know. Let's just say Kadari bumped him. But then Kadari fell down. Ashworth never lost control of the ball, never stumbled. I mean, it's a complete play on, had no factor into the play. But he picks up his second foul. And from that point on, Seton Hall goes from 12 to 8 down to losing 23 to 11. Creighton gets hot. They score nine straight points, three straight threes, and it was game over. By the time Richmond came back into the lineup, the mojo was gone. 
Seton Hall continued to lay bricks. I don't care if it was Dre Davis, Dylan Adeawusu, Kadari Richmond, Alamir Dawes. No one played well in this first half. Don't let the final numbers fool you. By halftime, this game was over. It was 38-22. I believe Creighton had hit eight threes in the first half. I mean, it was just, it was just a, a, a three-point shooting contest. One barrage after another. This team's Achilles heel all season long has been their inability to defend the three. Creighton is just not a good matchup for a lot of teams. Creighton is an awful matchup for Seton Hall. They move the ball. They shot fake. They find the open players. They always find a way to get the ball into the hands of the open shooter. And once again, the man who torches them is Baylor Shireman. What a player he has been. One of the few players in NCAA history who has had a thousand points at two different schools. Amazing, amazing college career. And he, he is going to be an NBA player. Okay. He hits threes against a lot of teams. He hits and scores points against a lot of teams. But it seems like he always scores them in bunches against Seton Hall. And Ryan Kalkbrenner, I think Seton Hall and Shaheen Holloway, I think they're going to drive him to graduation. Okay. Torched him for 27, whatever it was, 28 points at the Rock. 23 points, a perfect 10 for 10. An abomination performance by Seton Hall. Afterward, we heard Shaheen Holloway say, once again, unfortunately, a bug has gone through the team. We learned before the game, Isaiah Coleman would not be available due to sickness. Nganga didn't make the trip. Coleman didn't make the trip. They were already shorthanded. Coaches have been sick. Some of the players who shouldn't have played, played. Okay. But this is twice this has happened. It happened against Villanova, and now it happened again. Teams get sick. It happens. College environments, they're around each other all the time in the dorms, practice, right? I mean, earlier this season, we saw... Rick Patino and Jordan Dingle uh, missed the Seton Hall game, missed a couple of games due to COVID. It happened to Dan Hurley, right? When he visited Seton Hall last year, teams get sick. But this is now the second time this has happened. Coach, come on. I don't know. Take some elderberry. Take some echinacea. Take some airborne. Uh, take more vitamins. Something. It just seems that it's happened multiple times this year. Seton Hall needs to get healthy. They need to figure out how to be competitive in these environments on the road. It's hurting their metrics. Didn't crush them, but all of these losses by double digits, by 20 points, hurt them. Now they're going into a game against UConn, a team that's hungry, a team that's had a bye week, a team that's rested, a team that's going for history at home, trying to go undefeated. It's senior night. They're trying to lock up or get one step closer to a Big East regular season title. They're not taking Seton Hall for granted. They don't care if you're sick, undermanned, whatever it is. Shaheen Holloway has four days to get this team healthy and in the right frame of mind, ready to do battle, whatever that means. And then comes 
the all-important last two home games against Villanova and DePaul. That Villanova game is the most important game of the season, bar none. Their NCAA tournament hopes will likely rest in that Villanova game. Win that game, beat DePaul, finish in fourth place in the Big East, get a top four seed, finish 13 wins. That goal hasn't changed. Even if you lose by 21 or you lose by one at Creighton, that goal has not changed. That's what it's coming down to for Seton Hall. Will they be the team from 2011 that had everything in front of them, was heading towards an NCAA tournament berth, and lost at home to Rutgers, and then lost at DePaul? Will it be that team that fell short of their NCAA tournament goal, or will it be the 2006 Pirates that was limping late in the season and then suddenly beat Cincinnati and won at Pittsburgh to solidify their berth in the NCAA tournament as an at-large team and finish 9-7 and seven in conference with 18 wins? Will it be 2006 or will it be 2011? We'll know in 10 days. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast my fellow Seton Hall alum and head coach of the UConn men's basketball team, Dan Hurley. Dan, nice to see you again. Thanks for coming on. I know it's a crazy schedule you have, but I really, really appreciate it. Well, we always do this, Brian, and we go way back. So uh, <laughs> this is something we do a couple times a season. So uh, it's great to be on with you. Yeah, no, and 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 it means a lot to me, Dan. So uh, listen, Crazy schedule that you have, but you have a bye week, right? Yeah. A little bit of a lull, if you will, in between these these uh, the games that you had, an emotional win over Villanova. I want to touch upon that because your team was tested, right? Coming off that that emotional loss, that beat down that, that really Creighton gave you, and you tested your team. They passed with flying colors. How did you like the way your team responded to that? Yeah, I think... Um... We we obviously hadn't hadn't lost in a while. You know we, we you know we, we hadn't lost uh, you know in two months. You know prior to that. So um, anytime you lose, it's jarring. Um, no matter how well you're playing, no matter you know what your program's accomplished recently, it, it was a jarring um, you know jarring defeat. And um, I think we we responded appropriately. I don't think we played you know, a perfect game or, or a perfectly clean game. But we, we certainly, uh, you know, got back to our identity because there were some things, uh, you know, that were uncharacteristic that, that we did um, in in, uh, in Nebraska. And look, Villanova tested you and you knew they would. I mean, they're, they're a hungry, desperate team and, and they fought you for 30 minutes. Uh, how about the way your team really pulled away in those last 10 minutes? Yeah, I mean, these... Uh, these are desperate games. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're desperately competing, um, you know, with Marquette for the regular season. And and uh, we're playing, you know, either teams that are competing for the same thing or teams that are on the bubble uh, or near the bubble that are fighting to get into the NCAA tournament. And, you know, and, and a win over UConn, um, you know, puts you in. Uh, so without any questions asked. So, um, you know, I, I think the – you know, for us, our mindset this time of year is, uh, you know, we, we lost the number one uh, ranking. You know, we, we we had it for a while. We liked it. We had some fun with it. 
Uh, but somebody else could have that for a little while right now. We're we're in championship mode right now, and and that's what uh, that's what we're trying to pursue this time of year. How about Tristan Newton? I think he's been in championship mode, and uh, his fourth triple double. Uh, 10 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists. Had to really work for that last assist, thanks to Alex Caraban hitting that three. Um, what impresses you about this guy, the way he can he can do it in, in every category? Yeah, Brian, he's, he's just, uh, he's got great feel, and, and he's uh, and he's really tall, and he's really smart, and obviously, you know, he has great skills, and, and he also has the... Uh, you know, the mindset to be able to go out and execute and perform. Um, you know, he's got the confidence. He's, he's got the, he's got the ability to step up in, in big spots and, and, and put forth incredibly well-rounded performances. Um, you know, we're at our best when, when he's given us, you know, 14, 15, 16 points and high rebounds, high assists. Uh, I mean, he had 15 defensive rebounds, uh, you know, in that game, and and there's not many guards. Uh, it's got to be a record, man. <laughs> it's, it's his. It's his record. I mean, sixteen. That 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 that's like Jason Kidd type numbers. Crazy, and uh, you know that's where I think the the, the portal is is uh, um, you know portal the portal so critical, and I think uh, not necessarily from a volume standpoint, but um, if you could find some older players that 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 have the right mindset and uh, you have the right role for that player. Um, you know, that's where, uh, you know, that, that portal comes in handy. Did you ever come close to a triple double in your career, Dan? Uh, maybe I, maybe, maybe AAU, right? Like no one, no one played any defense back then. Um, <laughs> you must've had, you know, double figures and assists. Did you ever get it in rebounds? I had to at the hall. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, at the hall, um, Trying to think, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm testing you. Yeah, I'm trying to find a good game in my mind that I just went blank. <laughs> it's it's to get that in in rebounds as a point guard. You know, do you put him in that situation? That say, listen, you know, I, I don't care if we who we have in there, whether it's whether it's Klingon, whether it's Caravan, you got to get in there and, and get some rebounds too. Do you do you tell him to do that? Well, I mean, you have to in today's game. Um, you know, you, the center for the other team is not is not standing uh, out, is not standing under the basket. You know anymore. You know the the five out style of offense, the versatility of centers, the versatility of of, of four men. You know the old school power forward has lent itself to you know positionless basketball and you know all players being spread out along the all along the perimeter. And um, you know Tristan just has great instincts, and uh, it's a great way to. You know, we're not playing probably as fast as we would like to in terms of our pace of play, um, but we're very efficient in transition. And a lot of that is because, you know, the right guy is getting the ball off the defensive glass and Tristan. How much fun is it coaching Cam Spencer? Uh, you knew you were getting someone who, you know, is a competitor and a great three-point shooter, but how much have you enjoyed having him in your, in your team? Yeah. Listen, it all starts at home, man. And, um, you know, just the, he's got the just the right family behind him. He's got, you know, two parents and siblings that like are all about like accountability, work ethic. Um, if if he doesn't play well, it's like it's him. It's not the UConn system. It's not the 
it's it's not the it's not the style of play it's not the referees it's not the it's not the rims i mean it, it, like these are just the the he's got great old school uh, accountability responsibility work harder shut up get better people in his ear so yeah i mean when, and then he obviously has a competitive fire that uh that i could relate to a, as a coach i think we we both want it really really bad and it's just you know you 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 feel great for him that he's getting to you know kind of get get the exposure to you know to to you know to to being on a top ranked team to being at a team that's got a chance to to win the big east i mean you know he's a lot of people are finding out how good he is right now and it, and it, it's uh it's been fun to be a part of you beat me to it i was going to say i see a lot of him and you with that fire uh do you have to calm him down sometimes or does he have to calm you down sometimes <laughs> I think we just uh, let each other be <laughs> smart. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think we um, we just let each other. Uh, yep, yeah, there's times where I've had to kind of reel him in, which is uh, uncharted waters for me. Um, you know, I'm usually the one um, that's either being reeled in from my son Andrew or Luke or Kamani or you know Adama or Andre. Uh, you know to you know, kind of chill coach. It's all good. Um, but yeah, he, uh, you know, th this guy, we wouldn't be in a position we're in. Uh, I, we knew what Tristan was going to do and, and Klingon and Caravan and Castle and, and all the different players. But, um, you know, we would certainly be in a conversation to potentially repeat this year without Cam. Yeah. I've heard you say that. And, and I, I would, I would totally agree. He He's kind of like that last piece of the puzzle that's really put you in this position. Um, but really it's, it's like the, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole, right? I mean, you have multiple stars who know their roles, who on any given team could be the star, but they're all comfortable in doing that. That's not easy to do, Dan. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's a heck of a commitment and obviously you, know, you, you have a culture and, and uh, a certain individual that, that ends up with you during a recruiting process because this is what you're you're preaching people, you know that that understand that uh, you know to, to get the opportunities in the NBA you, you you've got to be efficient and you've got to win um, and and uh, you know putting up big you know fake numbers and, and being on a bad team um, isn't going to get you very far. Uh, I think if you look at you know the NBA draft or first round picks, second round picks, majority of those players are coming from teams that have great years and, uh, and players that are efficient. So, um, you know, we, we, we preach sharing the ball. We preach, you know, getting, you know, moving the ball, uh, you know, getting lost in our offense, which generates, you know, close to 50% from the field uh, on the season and, and a very high assist totals with, with low turnovers. So, um, and obviously it's a defensive commitment that you got to make to play here and, yeah. and a rebounding commitment that you got to make to play here and a playing harder than your opponent commitment to, to play here. The number one offense in the big East, the number one defense, what are you more proud of? I would say probably the offensive end. I think um, I, I've always, all my teams, my Rhode Island teams, um, our teams here early, we, we, we were, always you know solid to to really good defensively to great all those teams in my throughout my career but um you know just losing in the tournament not being able to score enough to really advance and win a six game, a six game tournament 
uh, made me rethink uh, the amount of time I was spending on the offensive end of the court. And uh, I'm surprised the offense. Really? Okay. So, so you, at some point you said, you know, we need to start paying more attention to the offensive end. Yeah. Just the, the rock fights, you know, it, it's, um, <clears throat> you know, basketball, there's, there's so much skill out there and shooting and, you know, the analytics drive so many, uh, an awareness about, uh, the way you need to play the game, uh, th that will push you in a different direction. And, um, obviously in the failure, losing to New Mexico state in, uh, uh, in Buffalo, um, and not being able to score, not having enough shooting, not having enough passing, not having enough game processors, not having good enough spacing, not playing with enough efficiency and transition. It just it makes you rethink, uh, you know, how you're going about things when you fail. And, uh, you know, the ultimate goal here is to win championships. And uh, you can only win championships if you can go on winning streaks. And it's hard to go on winning streaks if you can't score the ball. Right. And, and, and But at some point, the offense is going to go, and that's where you need the defense. And and yeah. that's that's what you have. Well, that's the other way you win tournaments is uh, being able to being able to win different types of games, right? Like yeah. we can outscore you, we could beat you in a rock fight. Uh, you know, we, we could out rebound you, we could out hustle you, uh, we could beat you in a low turnover game. Um, you know, we could block your shot at the rim. Uh, minus the Creighton game, we generally take away the three point line. So I'm gonna. Assume you learned defense from your dad and, and, and the way, you know, his teams always play defense. Where have you gotten these offensive uh, ideas from? Yeah. My dad and PJ, I think I learned so much from them. My dad's defense and, and, uh, and, and it's a, like a, a rebounding and some defensive things from PJ plus, you know, how to build a tough team from both of those incredible coaches. And, and I think we study a lot of, um, you know, we study a lot of uh, Euro League, Euro Cup. Um, I'll also look at what a lot of the loaded mid majors are doing because a lot of those coaches are much better uh, tactically um, than the high major coaches, just because they have to be. They have less talent, so you can find some really great schemes when, when you watch. Uh, you know, some of the some of the lower to mid major division ones. That's fantastic. Uh, how about the NBA All Star Game? Do you get? Offensive tactics from that. <laughs> yeah, I think I flipped that on, man. For us. That, was, that was pretty. That was pretty gross. <laughs> Two hundred points. Yeah, I, I count me out for that. No. So, so Dan, uh, is the Big East Player 2024 the Big East Player of the Year on this UConn team? Yeah, I think that's uh, you know TBD right now. I think. Um... Obviously, the, the 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 team that wins the league and the teams that finish at the top, um, you know, should be rewarded. Um, you know, unless unless there's some historical season going on uh, with some individuals, I think uh, you know you the 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 better the you know the better players from the best team, uh, which will be determined over the next couple of games. I think should get them. Obviously, last year, um, I, I was stunned that Caravan. Uh, with how he impacted winning uh, on our team, uh, it was stunning. Um, you know, when he didn't get rookie, uh, rookie of the year in the league. Uh, so you just never know, um, you know, what what the motivation is or, or what the coaches are, are thinking or whoever is involved in the voting at the at the last minute. Well, you certainly have two guys, uh, you know, Caravan's very good too, but 
Spencer's deserving. Uh, obviously, Newton's deserving. And and there's so many good players right now. I guess those are the two that come out the most right now. So I guess we'll see. Your schedule coming up is, you know, conducive to, like you said, hey, we're going to be playing teams that are hungry, that are fighting for an NCAA tournament spot or seating, and so are you. Uh, the next team up on your schedule is one of the teams that beat you, the team that beat you coming out of the non-conference, and a team that uh, you have a lot to play for, Coach. You've been talking all year long about how you want to go undefeated at home. So, I mean, boy, this is set up. National television, final home game, senior day, Seton Hall. Uh, that's going to be some contest. What do you think about this game? Yeah, I think it'll be uh, you know, just a, a great a great way to end um you know, our, our season, you know, playing in front of, you know, some of the, you know, the, the, the best fans, uh, you know, in the country here at UConn that, that create an unbelievable environment for us. Um, you know, obviously Seton Hall's had a great year, which Shaheen has, has done in league this year, in particular in Big East play has been just a, a phenomenal coaching job. They've got really, really good players and really, really old players, uh, you know, one of the, I think, uh, 11th in the country in terms of experience, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's an older team. It's a really physical team. Um, you know, we're going to have to obviously be at our best and play, um, you know, play to our absolute, the max of our identity, um, you know, to, to, to be able to have the outcome that we want, you know, we're, we're uh, obviously going to use this week, um, you know, to really zero in on the things that went wrong the first time. You were distraught after that last game against Seton Hall. You know, it was hard for you. You said it was hard for you to look at the media in the eyes and and the way they shocked you. And I know that Klingon went down in that game and, and that obviously had an impact because he was having a phenomenal game. Did that loss uh, show you that, guys, we need to be tougher? We're talented, but we need to get tougher. I just think it, it speaks to college basketball today, just a vulnerability of, of a majority of the teams, if not every team in the country. Um, you know, like when you don't play to your identity, when you, when you, uh, you know, you, you become vulnerable. We're, we're, this only works here for us, you know, when the defense is elite, um, you know, when, when, when we're playing offense for each other, when players are lost at the offensive end in, in playing for each other, um, you know, when, when, when we win the rebounding war on the backboard and when we play harder than our opponent, um, and, and, the, and the players obviously have absorbed the preparation, the scouting and what we want to do. You know, if there's any part of our attack that, uh, you know, that, that goes the wrong way, um, that things are going to get, uh, going to get real sketchy for us, just like any team. And, you know, I think it was jarring for us because, you know, it just had been uh, an unbelievable run. You win the national championship last year, you blow through that tournament. The only loss up to that point had been on the road to Kansas where, you, know, you had a shot to win in the last five seconds and Castle doesn't play. Um, you know, so yeah, I think this team here, uh, you get these wake-up calls during the course of the season, and that certainly was uh, was a wake-up call. So when you prepare for Seton Hall, uh, does it start, does the preparation start with trying to limit Kadari Richmond uh, and his ability to get to the rack? Yeah, I mean, Kadari is such a unique player because it's it's just rare that a guy that tall and strong um, 
and his ability to to go perimeter to post and and uh, and to put pressure on the front of the rim just uh, it puts you in foul trouble. It puts you on your heels. It creates opportunities for Al, uh, um, you know, and Davis and all these different guys. Uh, you know, puts their fives. Uh, you know, Bediaco in position offensive rebound and be effective down there. So um, you just, I think, in general. You know, you prepare for the, you know, their their personnel and Shaheen uses them, you know, in, in obviously a really, really intelligent way. But you think you're ready for the physicality of the game and, and just how how tough they play. You know, this is a uh, it's a blue collar team that you're playing against with a real blue collar coach. What would it mean for you to finish 16 and 0 at home? Um, I think it's one of those things uh, in the moment. Uh you, you really won't even think about it. You're so process driven right now that like you're just absorbing um, all the data and, and information on Seton Hall. Plus, you know, you're making uh, as many adjustments. We, we have a week off so we can really uh, come up with some new wrinkles to what we're doing. Um, you're mostly focused on that and process. And um, I think once the season's over, you, you, you get to enjoy the, the fruits of your labor because you do move on to the next thing really quickly in this thing. You know, you, you celebrate the win, you know, maybe you have a, a glass of wine or whatever you like and uh, enjoy it for a couple hours. And then the next day you are on to the next thing quickly until the season's over. Yeah. Because then you have at Marquette at Providence. I know it's in the back of your mind. So, you know, right now your focus is on Seton Hall. And I tried to close my, I didn't want to hear what you're saying. Cause I never, <laughs> I never want to know who's like two out. You know, I only, and I barely even want to know who's after the next one. It's like, I'm like, <laughs> man, this is the big E. So, so I, I need to ask you a few questions about the conference here, Dan, you know, these bracketologists, who knows, who knows how all the metrics work, right? I mean, they, they put everything together and the committee's one thing, the bracketologists aren't even on the committee, but you know, how many big East teams do you think should be there in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think that's you know again I want to you know cop out uh, you know to be determined but because um, there's still opportunities for for teams um, you know that we play true round robin in our league you know so you know Seton Hall is uh, obviously like everyone else they got tough games to end it um, but are you going to tell me that a team that's going to win a minimum of like 11 12 games in our league at the minimum maybe they win 13. Um, you're even talking about their candidacy. <laughs> um, right. That's that's absurd to me because we play true round robin. Um, I think we've learned a lot. Uh, obviously, the you know the you know the the aspect of, of of the metrics and understanding the net and how to schedule in the non conference. Um, you know, I think some other leagues have, have maybe have done a better job of uh, of scheduling for that and and taking an approach in those games than some people in our league have, but. Providence is a tour. Obviously, you got the you got the the three at us, Creighton and Marquette. Um, you got Seton Hall's a tournament team. Providence is a tournament team. Um, and then you know you obviously Butler. Butler's big wins, man. They say uh, big wins are important. You know, winning at Creighton, winning at Marquette. Um, That's, tough. That's pretty impressive. And now you know St. John's with the with the Creighton win. But some of it is too. It's it, it's it's bad luck, and um, you need the people that you beat. You know, when St. John's beats Utah in the, in the non-conference, you know, they need Utah to go and have a big year. Um, so sometimes you get hurt when the teams that you beat in the non-conference that you think is going to be a win that, 
could carry you to Selection Sunday, and then you know, maybe some of those teams don't have a great year. Right. No, well said. Well said, Coach. All right, a little rapid fire, Coach. Uh, just about your personnel. You know, what's the first word or phrase that comes to mind when you think about, you know, these players on your team? Let's begin with Klingon. Uh, Kling Kong, uh, MVP. Okay. Tristan Newton? Um, cool, uh, you know, cool champion. Alex Caravan? Uh, just never gotten enough credit for where we are. Um, he's probably the, yeah, him and Tristan have probably gotten the, the least amount of credit. Uh, but he's gonna, he changed everything when he, when he came here. Cam Spencer. Um, well, perfect fit. Perfect. And Stefan Castle. You know, I think the, uh, you know, um, the anti, you know, five-star, you know, cool guy. I don't want to be coached. Um, you know, my whole world is social media and, and acting like I got, I've, I've arrived before I've actually done anything. Um, I just got a lot of respect for that kid and his family and uh, the way he lets us coach him, the way that his family supports us and wants us to coach him and get him ready. Um, for the man's world that is, is, is coming flying at him in, in the near future. So uh, all that kid's done is help us uh, be one of the best teams in the country and uh, doesn't care where we play him. So uh, kid's been awesome. Last one, Hassan Diarra. If we didn't get what we're getting from him, I think the question mark about this team was bench uh, coming into this year, bench depth. Can we get enough from the bench? And uh, him and Samson Johnson, uh, and now Jalen Stewart coming on and, and solo, solo ball. We, you know, we, we've got the bench to do it. One word in the end to describe Dan Hurley. Uh, you know, it's a long road, man. You know, like uh long road in, in the, in the game of basketball, uh, you know, as a player, as a coach, I've always loved it. Uh, you hope I rep Jersey good out there, uh, even though, you know, I coach at UConn. I, I always feel like I'm, I'm repping the best of Jersey. Um, the places I've been, Jersey City, St. Anthony, Seton Hall, uh, I'm repping all that all the time. Hopefully I'm doing it well. Um, you know, and I'm probably the type of guy that you would love coaching your team, but you probably hate me um, if you're a fan of another team. And um, But that's probably how it should be. It probably means I'm doing it good. Damn, did you nail it? Two th I, I've said this about you, Dan. I said I, I would love to play for Dan. He's my kind of coach, and I would hate to coach against him. I said the same thing, and I said to my daughter the other day, you could take Dan Hurley out of Jersey City, but you can't take the Jersey City out of Dan Hurley. Amen. Love Good that. stuff. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, I appreciate you, and uh, good luck the rest of the way, and I appreciate the time. We'll talk soon. See you, man. All right, Dan Hurley, first place in the Big East, closing in on history and a chance at a Big East regular season title for the first time in his coaching career. Always great to have him on this podcast. You know, true story. I text him throughout the season, and he doesn't answer me. Not a lot, but just enough to say, hey, when can we do a podcast? When can we do a podcast? And he doesn't get back to me right away. 
he's probably got hundreds, maybe thousands of texts that he has to get back to, right? I know where I stand on the pecking order, but I will say this, eventually, when I least expect it, typically around 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night, a text will come through on my phone and it'll say, Danny Hurley. And I'll look at it. Sometimes it'll come with an apology. Hey, hey, it's been crazy. Yeah, no shit, huh? But a lot of times he'll say, we'll do it. We'll do it next week. Let's do it this week. And eventually, and always, he gets back to me. So I'll give him that. And that's the way it works when you are trying to get in touch with a national championship winning head coach. Dan Hurley is the best, and he will always be number one in my book. That is it for the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. My thanks to our sponsor, NorthJerseyVipers.com. Check them out. Get in touch with my man, Bob Germano. If you or your daughter or someone you know wants to play high-level softball for a high-level club team, they get results and they care about you as the player, not the number. Thanks to you for downloading and listening to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. As always, subscribe to us. Give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Brian DiNovellis. Hey, next episode, number 100 for the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. I'm approaching a milestone and can't wait for that one. Until then, enjoy the games, everyone. So long. My name is Brian DiNovellis.